Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vibe higher, bitch. Vibe higher. 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 Superficial magic is like if goop were fun. It's like you don't have to go find your path. You just have to relax and let your path find you. Time isn't real. Math isn't real. If you focus on magic, you will create magic. That's like a 100% John Stamos guarantee. You really can manifest anything you want. Vibe higher, bitch. Vibe higher. Vibe higher, bitch. Hi, Vibrators. Welcome to Superficial Magic, the most magical place on the planet. I am your host, Megan Granger, and today we are joined by producer Crystal Chris. He has uh, long hair, but right now your hair is swirled around under the headphones mm. like like you're a little Mormon mm. boy yeah. coming to deliver some good news. <laughs> to deliver some good news. It's really confusing for my brain. But mm. anyway, hi. Good to see you. Would it help if I put like a, a big wig on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, like one of those big noses or something? <laughs> yeah, that would probably help. Okay. Uh, that would make this more normal. <laughs> it would honestly be more normal to see you in a wig and a big nose than what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> um, so, today's guest. Oh, boy. I teased this episode last week because I got really excited. It's uh, an episode with Anna Estella, and it's about the Akashic Records. You don't know what the fuck those are, do you? It sounds so complicated. You are such a dumb loser. You know nothing. No, I didn't know much about them either. Uh, she gave me a book called How to Read the Akashic Records wow. by uh, Linda Ho. And you remember Linda Ho from last mm, week because we couldn't decide if it was Linda How or Linda Ho. And we're calling her <laughs> Linda Ho. <laughs> so I'm halfway through this book. It's really interesting. I'm going to give you... A really quick summary of what they are. Okay? Okay. Okay. So it's like a different dimension of consciousness where everything that could, would, will, or has happened is written down. Okay? Whoa. Yeah. So they they gave a lot of quotes in it. Like in the Bible, it refers to the book of life. And, and in many different scriptures, it kind of makes this reference to a book of all of these things written down. And I didn't realize that that's what the Akashic Records are. It's a way oh to God, yeah. relax into this dimension and go look at your book. It's Damn. like reading your diary, but God wrote it. Oh, I need that. I know. Where is it? It's right here. It's in the book. You oh, have to. You well, have to do it. You can find her on Instagram. I'm just going to spell her Instagram name. It's W O N D R O U S. N I N F A. Okay. Go go to Instagram, message her if you want a reading. She gave me a reading. Super accurate stuff. Really, really helped me. One of the things she told me has become a really big obsession of mine. So, really? What is it? Well, I don't want to tell because my, what if it's like a birthday wish where if I tell it, mm. then it won't come true anymore? I no that that, that that's not real. No, it is. No, no. I you you get your own reading, Chris. Get out <laughs> <Okay>. of mine. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get my own. I'm gonna get mine this weekend. <laughs> so that's what the records are. Uh, you know, that's a very loose explanation of it. She does read them, but oddly enough, although that is what I was originally going to talk to her about, our conversation went all over the place. Uh, 
into some stuff that I'm even more interested in. Like she told the origin story of how she became somebody from a family that would never want her to do this kind of stuff to what happened to, to make her able to do it. You oh know? my God. Yeah. It's really cool. She gives a, uh, she just gives a lot of life advice and she goes into the records and what she sees in them. But mostly I think it's just this super cool conversation with the legit healer about life. Oh, I love that. I know. I, I really like this episode. So, you know, I'm going to read you the quote of the day. Is that stupid? Uh, this isn't okay. This is not the quote of the day. But for some reason, it it's came up on my thing. It replaced what was supposed to be the quote of the day. Whoa. It says, an emotion is a chemical response to a perception. I don't know who needed to hear that, but back to my quote. <laughs> okay, this is a quote from Akasha Unleashed. Okay, so it says, in the moment when you feel helpless, you are actually the most powerful, for it is then that you awaken to the realization that you are free to make a different choice. So that's when you, you know, you're sitting there right now. You're like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? What's up? It, buy this, buy, some, buy a book and figure out how to go read your records. Mm-hmm. Hello? Your what records have we been, are there. What have we been doing? <sighs> the answer's written. Oh my God. The rest is still unwritten. <laughs> Was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, we're coming for you. <laughs> that was a lie. It is written, and uh, we're gonna find it. So Anna tells us how to do that. Anna tells us some—I mean, just some incredible shit. So exciting! Anything you've done this week that you feel like listeners would be inspired by? Fuck no! Oh no! Uh, yeah, I don't know if I if I've done anything this week that has like you know it's all. What have I done this week? Well, you bought a giant cat tower. Oh, man. Yeah. That was crazy. I mean, we have one of the biggest cat towers I've ever seen. Oh, boy. We got a real cat set up over here. (laughs) So (laughs) We got a three-level, four-level cat tower. I guess you did do something. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure if you learned anything from it, but... No, but it's kind of like live entertainment, you know? Yeah. I you know, I just learned to really appreciate those cats this week. They're just running around like that is the greatest thing on earth. And I'm like, damn... Damn. What do we do it's in our the lives? Simple, like that. It's the simple stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I wonder what our cat's Akashic records say. <laughs> it's just like nap, nap, <laughs> nap, nap, eat, scream, eat, never die. Because they can never die. Uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts, you know? Give it a review, five stars. Join the Facebook group, Superficial Magic Vibrators. Okay, one last thing. One last thing. Can we get two more things? Yeah. Okay. Two more things. Uh, first, we start off this conversation with a conversation you guys also had to hear last week. I'm talking about, of course, Hereditary and the other <laughs> movie. What's it called? Oh, Mid not Midsomner. Midsomner. Yeah. We start off talking about Midsomner and Hereditary, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my God, Megan, shut the fuck up about these two movies." I know. <laughs> It's a really short conversation and it leads us into a very interesting. We go into it and it leads to this this uh this conversation on the mother wound. So deep stuff. Just roll mm. with it is what I'm trying to say. Mm. You know? And then the second thing is uh live from New York. It's superficial magic.
Okay, so it's the day after Halloween. We're talking about oh scary movies because I was forced to watch Midsommar. I feel really cool that I'm saying it right. <laughs> and uh, I've done a lot of research since last night. And we were talking about Hereditary, same director. You were saying what about Hereditary? So for me, it it was like I watched it and it was in shock. It was just a shock of like of these different things happening and they're happening in the very like you're not you're not being prepared for it Mm -hmm. right so everything's happening and i'm just sitting there like okay i'm taking all this in and then at the end of the movie i was just like i looked at my husband and i'm like i hate you (laughs) like why did you make me see this and i went to bed you know and then in like i don't know it was like three or four in the morning i just woke up and I was like, what is happening right now? Because it became this thing where it felt like a door had been open within myself. And so then it was like, okay, why do you feel this, this, and this? And I guess for me, what really connected was the the connection between the grandmother, the mother, and the daughter. Mm. And it was like, what relationship is being healed here or not being healed? <sighs> Yes. <laughs> well, that makes the movie even scarier. Yeah. I yeah. didn't think it was possible. And for me, it's also, it, it goes also back to, um, like, so, like, one of the reasons I got into the records was I had what I consider a mental breakdown last year in Ooh. August. Yeah, exciting. Indeed, this is interesting. <laughs> yes. But um, so, like, I had this mental breakdown, and it was this thing of, um, just realizing how long am I going to live m- what my mother wants me to live. So like, oh. how long am I going to, um, you know, keep doing what she wants I'm me there to too. do? Okay. okay. So okay. I'm 31. So I, my parents are from El Salvador, uh, both of them. They both migrated here in the 80s um, because of the civil war that was happening. They had five children. I'm the middle child. So I've always kind of been the odd duck out. And it's just been this thing where I've always wanted to fit in. And I've never had like a place. So growing up, I was always like, oh, I have to make them proud. I have to do this so they can like me. So they can, you know, be okay with me being this weird person. And what I'm now learning from a bunch of like, my new friends in this world, in the spiritual world, is that um, at 28 is when you have your Saturn's return. Yes. When it's basically like the destruction of your old you and then the birth of your new you. And at 28, I had my, I consider it the Saturn's return, but the way that my therapist says, it's my first big manic (laughs) episode. That's the funniest thing (laughs) I've ever heard. Anna was also just telling me that she learned some of the things her mom was doing when she was younger was witchcraft. And I was like, oh, I hope some of the psycho things my mom was doing, it comes out that it's witchcraft and not just psychotic. Not just psychotic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. I, you know, I started to like question like, okay, am I, you know, am I this weird person? Am I having mental issues? Am I, you know, because I've always been a like severe depressive. I've always felt like, Um, There's a lot of sadness and grief within me, and Mm -hmm. I've never been able to explain why. Um, 
so I had this moment of like intense high mania where I was like, I'm going to get this job that'll make my parents happy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I stacked everything. So at 30, I, um, yeah, I'm 31 now. So at like 30, I got this job at this factory and I hated it. I had to get up at four in the morning, Mm -mm. be there at, well, work started at six and then I would have just these long days. I would come home tired, uh, felt, just felt like there was nothing to live for. And in August of last year, I had three deaths happen within like two weeks. And I felt everything kind of start to like unravel. And I started like, I started drinking again and I started smoking again. And it was just like this moment of like, we're going to destroy everything. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Okay. And I, you know, <laughs> being a kid from a Latin family, like we start drinking when we're like 12, 13. Oh, okay. okay. So we're like, it's, it's, it's there. So I'd always masked everything, like the voices, the, the feelings, the, it's a lot of like, I, I feel presence energy so for me it was like I'm gonna drink so I don't have to feel these things I'm gonna drink I'm gonna you know um I'm gonna partake in orgies I'm gonna yeah so you were just like fucking and everything away your magic yeah exactly it was so scary sorry I'm like trying to fix this (laughs) I feel like you're so tiny and the headphones are so big it's really cute And you're like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you needed any yeah. help, let me know. Um, yeah, so I was literally just like um, drinking, smoking, snorting, whatever I could, having, you know, sex with whoever I could just so that I didn't have to explain what I was feeling to myself. It was a lot of self-denial. And yeah, last year, it was just this moment of I understood what was happening universally. Like, I understood the universe was giving me messages and saying, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be writing. You're supposed to be doing this. And I was just like, no, this is what my parents want. They want me to make money. They want me to have, you know, this hardworking job and provide and da-da-da-da-da. And um, the way it happened was... (laughs) We took, and this is where it goes back to the the relationship with the mother and the and the daughter and in hereditary. Um, I took a, a trip with my sisters and my mother and my aunt to Vegas, and we stayed in at my mother's friend's house, and it was a great night. I had been on my medication for a month. Uh, I was di- in in September, actually September. 11th of last year, I was uh, diagnosed as um, bipolar with a severe depression. And so they were like, okay, we're just going to put you on some mood stabilizers. I'm like, okay. So for a month, I had been on them and I felt great. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing again. I'm going to slowly do these things that I want to do. But I didn't fully like go into it. So we went to Vegas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Go on. Okay. So we went to Vegas. Everything was great. We were having a great time. The Holy Land. The Holy Land. The, uh, uh, what, what would they called it, my husband calls it the land of sweat and desperation. Poet. <laughs> Nothing Poet, could man. be more true. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, I think it was like one, two in the morning. 
and things had just been bubbling up between one of my sisters and I that had been bubbling up, I guess, for what felt like a decade. Yeah. And (laughs) none of us had drank that night. None of us. Like, it was my two sisters and I, and none of us had had a drink. We had just been out there, and I'm not sure what happened. And uh, I just remember, like, words being exchanged and me walking away, but there's only so much that I could walk away from. Yeah. And then turning around and, like, pushing her and then realizing, oh, fuck. Because my sister has a temper, and I always forget this. Like, when we were kids, she would beat me up, and I would always be like, yeah. Like, I have little scars here and there where, So you you pushed the bear. Yeah, I pushed the bear. And how I see it now, it's not an altercation between my sister and I. It's more like the universe decided to physically kick the crap out of me so that I could get my shit together. Wow. And it was such a shocking event for me because I suffer from PTSD already. Like I had a lot of things happen in my youth that like kind of just have bundled me into the person that I am now. And so in that moment, we all kind of scattered growing up in the place we grew up. It's like the thing you learn is like if some, if there's a fight or if there's something happening, you scatter because they're going to arrest you. Right. So the altercation happened. We got separated and we all scattered. And so it was like two in the morning. I was completely by myself in the middle of the strip. Um, My dress had been ripped. My back was scratched up. Um, You know, I just like it was bad. This is a scene from a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's wow. And. You know, like, all I can remember is just walking from hotel to hotel asking if they had any rooms. And every place just shutting me out. And it was this moment of, how are you going to do this on your own? You are, you know, God knows how many miles away from home, away from your son, away from your husband. Your mom is screaming on the phone, so you're not picking up. Like, your sisters are gone. They have the car. What are you going to do? And it was kind of this moment of, like, where everything kind of shut down. And it was like, okay, we're going to get an Uber. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the beautiful thing about that night is that I downloaded the Uber app. I had, like, 30 percent battery on my phone and I downloaded the uber app and the woman who picked me up her name was uh faith oh come on okay so her name was faith and she sees the state I'm in and she brings me in the car and she's like I'm gonna shut my phone off I'm not gonna take any more faith and she just yeah and she just goes I'm gonna find you a room I'll pay for it and you know, we'll get you some gauze, we'll get you this, we'll get you that. She finds me a room in Fremont Street. Um, My husband ends up uh, sending me money so I can pay for it. And she like buys me all these things to, you know, she buys me like Epsom salt and she gives me her jacket and she's just like, I'm going to give you my number. Please let me know that you're okay. And she just, you know, takes off. So that night, you know, I got in the tub And this is where (laughs) 
the universe is like, okay, you're not going to listen to us. We're just going to show up. I'm sitting in the tub of this like little janky little hotel and I'm in the tub with my eyes closed just sobbing and all of a sudden I feel someone sitting on the like toilet and I'm like what is going on right now and I start to kind of just in my head like you're okay you're okay you're okay you're okay and then that feeling goes away so I'm like all right maybe you're just you know on high alert because all these things happen so I always carry a knife with me. So I went to bed with the, like holding the knife because I was like, someone's going to, you know, I'm also very paranoid. Marcella will attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, you know, someone's just going to come in the front door. So I better sleep with my knife. So in the middle of the night, I don't even remember, I had folded up the knife and I had just placed it. And it felt like, it really felt like I was being protected. So I was like, okay, the... maybe I felt comfortable and I put it away so I didn't like pay attention to it um sometime that morning my sister my older sister brought all my things and I had told her like yeah um Edmund's gonna come pick me up and we're gonna go home like let me just deal with these emotions so it was time to check out and I started gathering all my things and I felt someone touch my shoulder and it was this intense feeling of you're gonna be okay and I was like all right but still kind of on edge because I'm like what is happening right now and I just remember walking because they were on their way and it was like 11 o'clock and there was nowhere really for me to hang out so I just remember like walking around and then going down to the Greyhound station and just like breaking down i mean this sounds like the loneliest scariest (laughs) isolating it really was and it was also this moment of are you gonna allow yourself to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. because anna will not cry in front of people she will literally like hold it in and then go into the bathroom and then like you know but this was a moment of are you going to be vulnerable enough Are you going to allow these strangers to see you cry, to see you be broken down? And I just remember sitting on the bench, the buses coming and going, you know, people leaving the casinos and smoking and all that, and just full on crying, like that kind of crying that comes from like deep in your gut, your heart, your throat, you know, and just releasing it. And this woman sits next to me and she just simply said, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what you're going through, but it's okay. And she just starts rubbing my back. And it felt very motherly. It felt very like you are supported. We are here for you. We are listening. We're holding this space. And it was this release, right? And at the end, I was like, I'm going to be okay. And I look over at her and I'm like, thank you. Like, you know what is your name what like who are you and she's like oh I'm Mary and I looked at her and I was like and I kind of was just like in shock you know because I'm like first woman was Mary now this one's um first woman was Faith this one's Mary Mm. I'm being told something and then the third sign was um 
I couldn't find anywhere to hang out with all my stuff. So I walked over to the, it's like the children's museum. It's like a, it's like a science, like scientific museum for children, but it's interactive. And it's like the only museum in like Fremont Street, like Vegas, that's, you know, family oriented with no casinos. Um, so, you know, maybe there's like a slot machine in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just sat out there. I sat out there in the sun thinking about everything that had happened, thinking about like, what am I going to do now? I have to quit this job. You know, like I'm not happy. So kind of just studying everything that had been happening for the past like nine months in my life. Um, and, you know, I called a couple of my friends and I was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, um, a couple of the people that like are in the spiritual community that have been in it longer than I had. And I just kept asking, like, I, I don't know what my next step is. And they were just being supportive, listening. And I sat out there for like six hours just in the sun, just burning in the sun, just, you know, trying to like figure out what my life was going to be. And my husband and son arrived and I looked at my husband and I was like, you know, it's been a long drive. Why don't we take him in here? I have some cash and you and I can talk about like what's going to happen next. And we walk in and I guess the, the, the boy that was working at the counter had seen me crying and had seen me just sitting out there. And he looked at us and he goes, are you guys veterans? And we're like, no. Are you guys from Vegas? We're like, no. And he just kept asking us all these questions. We're just like, no, no, no. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you guys in for the price of one. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. You have, And I'm like, I'm like, you have no idea, you know, everything I've been through. And I'm so grateful right now. And we walk in and we're walking in and my son just like takes off, has no idea what's going on, just takes off, starts playing. And my husband like just looks at me and he goes, did you see what his name was? Oh, my gosh. And I look at him and I'm like, no. And he goes, his name was Angel. And I had to go in the bathroom and just cry for like another hour because it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm finally listening. And I, I understand that, that you are here just to support me and that this rattle, this shake was to get me to understand that I'm not here to live anyone else's life. I'm here to live my life and I'm here for a reason. And it gets it gets weirder. How? <laughs> literally how? It literally gets weirder because we're, you know, we're both very tired and I tell my husband like can we just stay somewhere the night and in the morning I I will drive us back. And he's like, "Okay, let me check." Um he finds a room at Circus Circus and for him uh, my husband's 51, I'm 31, so he grew up in Vegas. His mother used to work at Circus Circus. Oh, my goodness. So he's like, oh, I found this room for like 30-something dollars at Circus Circus for the night. And I was like, okay, get it. Like, you know, we'll go and we'll just stay there. So for him, it's very like this reminds me of my childhood. Like, oh, we get to take our son there. He's never been there. And it's a very um, 
it's it's not a bad experience. It's good for him. Actually, we get on the floor and immediately I just start feeling like all these things, all these things. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. And he's like, maybe you're just on edge because of what happened last night. Maybe you just need to take a bath. So I'm like, okay, we get into a room. Our son doesn't tend to be like afraid of the dark. He's not that type of kid. Like he's really... Like, he watches scary movies. He just watched it the second. So he's like, I'm good. But he steps into the room and he immediately goes, we need to have all the lights on. And he starts turning on all the lights. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel it too. So we step in and we get into, like, into the bed. And my husband's like, why don't you go take a bath? And I'm like, okay. I turn on, you know, the hottest water. I get in the water, water feels ice cold. And I'm like, hey, whatever. I'm laying down, I close my eyes, immediately see the image of a man that had cut his wrists laying in the tub. And I get up from the tub and I'm like, no thanks, I'm going out. I walk out, as I walk by the closet, immediately see the vision of a man who had hanged himself in that closet. And I look at my husband and my husband's like, I feel like for him, he understood there was something that got switched on. And Oh my God, I have full goosebumps. (laughs) So I told him, I was like, you know, I am not sure what's going on, but I need to sleep. And the whole night it felt like I don't know if you ever had like restless legs syndrome Mm. you know or like so if it was all that all over my body and I kept like tossing and turning and at one point I kind of like groggily opened up my eyes and there was a very like dark silhouette that was just kind of standing over us watching us and I was just like there's nothing, you know, kind of repeating to myself, there's nothing there, no one can hurt you, like, you know, just trying to, like, and it was the first time, too, where I envisioned, like, a bubble, where I physically in my head was, like, there is a beautiful bubble of light protecting us, and just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, and then going to sleep, and in the morning, I woke up, and I was, like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Like, we got to accept it. And I went home and it was, you know, like this moment of realizing there, there was like, there was anger there. But it was this realizing of like, well, the anger doesn't belong. It's not towards your sister anymore. Mm. The anger is towards yourself because you have allowed others to tell you how to live. Mm-hmm. You have allowed others to to dictate your life. And then it was this release. And then it was, I'm quitting my job, mom and dad. And then it was, hey, mom and dad, I'm a poet. Hey, mom and dad, I got my poem in a zine. Hey, mom and dad, I am now a reader. I am now an Akashic Records reader. I've got the four certifications. And this slow, like... I feel like it's a slow blooming of of Anna mm. coming into herself. But it took that like 
shaking that fear that like we're gonna show you these visions because you don't want to believe you know and then after that it was just um also like it's coming to terms that I do have a connection with that other realm and that's where the sadness that's where the Mm -hmm. grief comes from because I can hold this space I'm so good at holding this space that now if someone knows like oh she can hear me I've passed on but I still have all this I'm feeling she can hear me she can help me through it and so now it's no longer like why am I feeling so yeah, sad now it's not your shit anymore so if yeah. you feel sad but it's not your sadness is that a different kind of sad for me it just feels like uh like a lot wasn't done it feels like oh I didn't get to do anything and then it's like, what? I'm doing things. And then it's that, it's that like, oh, why are you showing me that? Okay. So that right now, like, as Whoa. I'm, <laughs> so right now, as I'm like thinking about it, they're showing me it's like a cake, like, you know, the layers, right? So in order to separate what I'm feeling from like what is mine and what does not belong to me, it's like you're, you're putting on the layers of the cake. So I'm the core, I'm the bread, right? And then the filling is mine, is my feelings, what I feel. But then the icing Mm. could be like somebody coming in and saying like, I need you to tell them this or I need you to like do this. Um, It's it's difficult sometimes. I mean, for the, I think it's like I, because I started like really, kind of getting out of control when I was in my teens. Um, And so I was able to understand like, oh, that's my manic episode. Okay, this is what's happening. So I I don't want to say I've been able to um, like take care of myself as a bipolar person, you know, before my diagnosis, but I was able to see like, oh, I'm in a manic episode. Okay, let's reel it back. Um, But now I can understand like, oh, you were in a manic episode because this, this, and this. Or you, um, you know, were having these kind of sexual partners and then their energy got stuck on you and then that made you spiral. Or you did too much cocaine one night and, Mm, you know. That'll do it. That'll really do it. (laughs) That'll really open you up um, to the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, right? But, yeah, no. So it's, you know, and then it's this... It's all this coming to terms with understanding that a lot of it has to do with the relationship between the mother and the daughter. When there's that, I know, boo, like huge boo. No, I love my mom so much and I know you love yours and I know everybody listening loves theirs. Yes, but sometimes. Wounded. Yes, it is. At at least I feel for me, that's been a lot of it Mm. because there's never been a conversation about these things there's never been um like when i first told them like hey i've been diagnosed as bipolar it was this weird like no that's something wrong in you not wrong in the family and then it's been the slow like coming to terms with them understanding like oh no she has she has something real um and she needs the support and she's doing what makes her happy and that's all that really matters So it's that slow, like, I feel it's very slow of the, like, um, healing happening. 
but I feel like a lot of it, like a lot of the madness, a lot of actually a lot of the pain that we're seeing in society, in the world is this wounded mother. It's this wounded mother like wound. So we have this collective unconscious mother wound Mm -hmm. and now we're all acting insane. Yeah, pretty much. And so a lot of the work I do in the Akashic Records tends like I'm starting to understand that whoever comes to me for a reading is either trying to heal something in their ancestral like lineage or something that has been passed down to them. Mm. And it's like they're here. They're here in this time to break that cycle or to break whatever thing that is holding the line back. And every time I work in my own records, it's always that, like, the self-doubt, the the issues around money, um, the feeling like you are not, um, like, you're not empowered. And I start to, like, I'll get out of the records and I'll write down whatever comes through. And then I'll go and I'll have conversations with my parents and I'll ask them, like, well, you know, what was it like growing up? And it's always these, like, it was, we were always in survival mode. We were always, um, my mom is one of 18 children holy and they were dirt poor so it's always this like connecting it like oh that's why i feel like Mm. i can't have money right now because this is a a belief that has been passed down this is an idea that was given to me um a lot of the thing too like going back to the mother wound is that a lot, especially in women, a lot of our beliefs are actually passed down through the womb. Right. So, you know, like, uh, I think it's like biology in high school when they tell you that uh, when you're a baby in your mother's womb, you already um, have all the eggs you're ever going to have. Yes. So essentially when your grandmother is pregnant with your mother you are in her womb you're in your grandmother's womb yeah i'm so tripped out right now because somebody at the event i met you at said Uh that really i wonder (laughs) if they were like quoting you but it sounded it sounded like it just came to her the other day she was like i'm so creeped out because blah 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 blah. (laughs) is that kind of strange it is and it made me nothing is strange no it's you hadn't said that to anyone that day had you not that I don't think so. That's the other thing about the records. When I pull out of your records, I completely go blank because those messages are not for me. Oh. So for me, it's like, you know, the the person will be like, well, what does this, this, and this mean? And once I'm out, I'm like, I don't really know. You're like, um, I'm Anna now, so <laughs> bye. Uh, and when that woman told me that, it resonated with me and it made me feel so claustrophobic. Like I have been in this tiny ball for so fucking long doing God knows what with my grandma, then my mom, (laughs) then finally I'm here. I'm my person and I'm still keeping it like small and crunched and inside their wombs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It made me really, really claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also the, like, I think that's also what the universe wants us to realize. Mm. It's like we've been cooped up for so long yeah. that like it's time for you to 
We've been baking. Yeah, we've been baking. We've been little, you know, chicks. And now it's time for us to hatch and just get out and do our own thing. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's so crazy. Like, it's also crazy for me because I have always been a huge intellectual like philosopher I've you know have if you look at my library my whole library is you know it's Dostoevsky Tolstoy it's like you know these very That's logical dark stuff yeah <laughs> it's very logical dark stuff right but it all is um it's all studying the character it's all studying the human nature of things um and now it's it's this it's I like the way I see it or the way it works out in my head is like a Venn diagram, right? And it's psychology or human, you know, like human structure and then spirituality, the Akashic records. And they kind of connect because it the way it shows it to me, it's here are the situations. Here's why you did this. But here's the new outcome if you stop doing this or if you, you know. Um, so is it kind of like arctic? types a little bit like you have this pattern of behavior it's gonna go this way you can tap into something new and change it yeah so so the the way because I have like one way that I understand the Akashic records are but um the way Linda Howe writes it in the book is um the Akashic records are a dimension of consciousness that contains a vibrational record of every soul in its journey uh, this vibrational body of consciousness exists everywhere in its entirety and is completely available at all times and in all places. So for me, the records are a library. The way when I go into my own records, um, they show me it's when I talk to them, I'm in a garden. But when I go in to actually look at the things that I need help with, it's a it's a library. Yeah, it looks and, like the New York library to me, like where Carrie got married. It <laughs> seems like this big, vast, beautiful, clean, like research place. Is yeah, that what it looks like? That's what it looks like to me. I know for pe- different people, it looks like different things. Um, but for me, it's this library and I can go, well, why am I doing this now? And then they'll say, OK, go here pull this book out and then look at this. No way. And then it'll tell me like, well, um, like for me, a lot of my issues have been, um, have been sex, have been around sex. Um, so it's always been like, well, why do I do this? Why do I seek this kind of attention? And then it's like, okay, go, go to this book, open it up and just look through it. And then it'll go back to like something deep in my childhood or some relationship, um, even some like small instance with my father where he was like, I can't do this right now. And it's like, it, you know, for most people makes no sense Mm. because it's like, no, that wasn't traumatic, but it's like, well, when you were a child, that little poppy seed, you know, yeah, it's, you know, turned into this huge thing. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a library. When I just go and like hang out with them and talk to them, I'm in um, I'm in a garden. I'm in actually specifically the Rose Garden 
um, down at Exposition Park where the Natural History Museum oh. is. And when you say you're with them, who who is that? It's the master's teachers and loved ones. So what do what do the masters so look like? To my masters don't uh, look masters don't tend to look like anyone because they've never taken a human mm. form. Um, they tend to be like energy, just energy. Um, for me, um, and it's kind of funny because <laughs> the first time I got into the records, you know, we opened up our records and everyone's like, oh my God, they're so loving. They just want to hug me. And mine were strict. Mm. Mine were like, okay, you're in here. It's time to do the work. And it really scared me because I was like, why is everyone Why being- are my master's guides and family members so mean (laughs) yeah it was like why is everyone getting so much love like i deserve love too and so i have three masters but two of them talk to the main one and he talks to me and i say he because the energy feels really masculine it's very um like deep um so when he talks to me it's very like this is the things you need to do now this is what we're here for and we need to start doing them. Um, I asked them one. I asked him one time. I said, "Why, why are you so, like, why are you so strict with me? Why, why, why does it hurt?" And he said, "Because you've never had a figure in your life that has disciplined you in the correct way." Oh. And then I started thinking. Oh, yeah, I'm a middle child. I kind of always did whatever the hell I wanted. I ran away at 17. I partied hard, you know. So it was always like I've never had, never been able to listen and just say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this and plan out. And, you know, so he, every time I go in the records every morning, he gives me a list. He says, this is what you need to work on today within yourself or you need to. And so then I'm like, okay. Um, He's also the one that says, you need to write this many words or you need to, here's a sentence and work around it. I have to have one. (laughs) I gotta get one. You gotta get one. (laughs) Okay, okay. And then, so he's, yeah, got it. Then you have your um, teachers, and your teachers tend to be anyone that has been on the earth plane. like Buddha, any like deity or person that has come here to teach something specific. Um, The ones that come a lot for me is, well, the one that I work with a lot and especially lately is Mother Mary, um, which comes in the form of like La Virgen de Guadalupe or any kind of like Mother Nature, um, like Mother Earth, Mother Nature, um, the ocean, a lot of that mother energy, which is really big for me because it's nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I never nurtured myself ever. I always blame myself for everything that happened instead of trying to figure out why it happened or why I kept repeating it. Yeah. Um, and then having my son, it was this like wake up call of, are you going to raise him to be the men that are around you, to be the men that have hurt you, to be the men that have ghosted you? Yeah. <laughs> or are you going to raise him to be a loving person? And it it was also the it was also the seeing how my mother raised us. And in our family, it was very distant. It was not emotional. 
Uh, there was no like hugging, no kissing. Uh, it probably stopped when you were about five. And then the rest was like, okay, go out to play, go do this, do your homework. But it was never a hugging environment. Mm. So for me, I learned that's what I needed. When I would search out sexual partners, I just wanted closeness. I just wanted to be held. But I interpreted it as I need to have sex with multiple people or I need to go and drink myself silly, you know. And so having my son, I was like, I'm just going to hold him all the time. I'm going to like love on him and, you know, sing to him. Of course, I always sang very depressive songs to him. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> like I would sing uh, Paul Simon. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to nurture away. you. <laughs> the darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> well, one of the songs, it's funny because um, I would give him his baths. And then afterwards, I would sing. I would sing Slip Sliding Away, which is all about a man who <laughs> loses his wife. Yes. And then the son is like trying to figure out what happened with the marriage, you know? <laughs> and when he was about, he was about three and a half, uh, he had to go to speech therapy because he was a little bit late in talking and he needed a lot of help with that. And I was playing the song and he comes in and he's like, mom it's your sad song and i look at him and i'm like oh that's his first real sentence oh wow you know uh i thought his first sentence was gonna be stop singing sad things so i'm glad it wasn't you know it was yeah. a little more accepting yeah it's like oh my i understand goodness. so yeah nurturance is one of the things i'm coming i'm coming home to as well because I was so mean to myself. I was in a complete abusive relationship with myself. Um, and I wonder if that mother wound will begin to heal by me healing myself in that way. You, you're yeah. nodding. So maybe. Yes. Maybe yeah. hope. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot of our healing has to do with us. Like, it, it, you know, we get into these relationships sometimes when we're, when we're like, oh, if I heal them or if I help them through their healing, it'll be good for us. But what actually needs to happen is that we need to ask ourselves, like, well, why am I hurting? Yeah. Why am I angry with myself? Or why, why do I keep repeating this? Why, why, why is this pattern happening? And then the next step is, no matter what, I love you. I love me no matter what. Like, maybe I'll keep repeating this, but I'm good. I'm a good person. I deserve love. I deserve all the things I want. Um, and then, you know, more compassion, slowly more compassion, more kindness. Because that's the thing is we don't have compassion. As At a all. whole, we don't have compassion. We don't have kindness. Um, it's it's. It's like a foreign feeling. I mean, and I love them, so I'm not judging, but tabloid culture is just the epitome of where we are. And just like, you did this, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Moron, piece of <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Moralistic, you know, <laughs> yeah. rules that none of us can live up to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. just slapping and, ourselves. And so it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that, that, mother mary that this mother energy is coming in very strongly for me because for me it's been a lot of like uh 
you're disgusting. Look how fat you are. You, you know, don't have the perfect nose. Look at. Meanwhile, you guys, Anna is the epitome of a goddess. I feel like (laughs) you are an actual (laughs) goddess. You are a little cherub goddess. So continue. But the little cheeks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's this it's this constant, um, you know, it's this constant, constant belittling of yourself. Yes. Yes. And it gets a lot easier to belittle and to be angry with yourself and to do all these negative things towards yourself that once you start to do the good things, you're like, ugh, this feels weird. This feels icky. This feels wrong. Yeah. And it's getting out of that wrong and saying, no, I'm fucking great. Like I'm, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, you're going to become so full of yourself. It's like, no. You have to be full of yourself to be able to give to, give to others, to yeah. love others, to be compassionate. Um, yeah. So it's like for me, it's like I'm just very glad that Mother Mary is coming in super strongly and is like, okay, we're, we're cutting out all this shit, all this I don't belong, all this imposter syndrome, all this everything. Is it kind of just a fake it till you make it? Is that the direction that she – no, it's, mm. it's, and that's the thing about my master's teachers and loved ones is that they're very about get in there and do the work, get in there, feel the uncomfortableness, feel the darkness and release it. Like, thank it for what it's doing. Like make it your friend, understand why it's here, why you're being triggered, why, you know, Mercury retrograde is fucking your shit up so bad, mm, you know, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's just really getting in there. Um, because that whole, like, for me, the whole fake it till you make it, you're not acknowledging the core problem, you're not acknowledging what is going on within you. You're literally just like adding masking, masking, yeah, makeup, whatever, yeah. you know, and that is still going to resurface. Mm-hmm. And it's it's how I picture, it's now how I picture my manic episodes is me masking everything and going, I'm just going to drink this whole bottle of whiskey and it'll be okay. And then the next day puking my brains out and then going, oh no, that's still there. I get this question a lot when I do readings. When's my soulmate going to come in? Mm-hmm. Why? And being an Aquarius I know for people, this is very controversial idea, but I don't believe in one soulmate. Yeah. I don't believe that there is one person out there for you. There's multiple lovers. There's multiple loves because you're learning something every single time. Yeah. Once you start learning, there's no point in love. There's really no point in what's next. Once you stop learning? Yeah. 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 Because the whole point of of this human experience is to learn. It's to better yourself. It's to, you know how they say in the games, level up, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm learning like through the records, you can literally ask anything and they will answer you. Sometimes they'll just be really blunt and they'll be like, we're going to tell you something you don't want to hear, but this is how you need to work it out in your brain or how you need to write it out. Um, but yeah, this this question about um, the soulmates, I get so much because people are so, they're so focused on the other, oh, you yeah. know? So when the question comes up, <laughs> they'll say, uh, like, uh, when was it? 
I think it was like a week ago, I asked it for myself. I said, you know, like, what? What is a soulmate? Like, do I have a soulmate? Is my husband my soulmate? Is my son my soulmate? And they said um, that it's a limiting belief. It's a limiting belief to have one soulmate Mm. because you are capable of loving so many different things in so many different ways. And a soulmate is not just a human. Like you could find love in looking at a specific tree or sitting under a tree or being next to the ocean. And it's, it's all about growing that love. And then it was, you know, I kind of was just like, well, let me just ask, what do I have to do? Because I get that question, like, what do I have to do to find my soulmate? And their answer is always, it has to begin with you. Mm. If you don't know what you want, if you don't know the specifics of it, um, then you can't find that soulmate. That soulmate cannot come to you. Can you override that um, universe program by saying, I don't know what I want, but can you give me my highest selves? Yes. But see, this is how it'll work out. Right. Because you're you're in that point where you're like, I don't know what I want. I, I don't know. And then they'll say, OK, you don't know what you want. We're just going to show you something until you realize that's not what you want. Ah. OK, for me, the hardest thing is having girlfriends that are single and then me being married and understanding like, oh, yeah, no, I dated. Well, yeah, you can't really call it dating. <laughs> I've slept with so many that yeah. I understand like, ugh, not ghosting you. Yeah. They're doing this. They're, you know, only hitting you up after 9 p.m. You know, it's I understand like I don't want these things and I can see it. Right. So when I get friends that are like, oh, well, I don't know what I want. I just want somebody good. It's like, okay, that's the start. You want somebody good, but what do you want about them to be good? And in, for me, it's also, what do I like in myself? Mm. So like if I say, I'm a, you know, I am always on time. I always respond back. I am funny. I am this. Then it's it's like you're showing yourself a mirror and you're telling yourself, this is the kind of partner I want. Mm. But if you don't know, you're just going to get the guy that's like, gonna call you one day and not call you for three weeks or you know hooks up with you and then you see him down the street you know with someone else you know like it it'll they'll keep showing you something until you are ready to ask for that higher self within yourself wow so you do have to get specific and and really yeah yeah. wow yeah i feel like it's yeah because i feel like you know a lot of the time people think that they're just there waiting for you. Mm. But what it really is, is like, it's you waiting on yourself. You mm. asking yourself to come forward and say, hey, this is what I want now. This is what I need now. Show me how to get it. Or or what is the, le-? like, a lot of the thing too, I'll get people that are like, but I love this person. I want to stay with them. Why isn't it working out? And it's like, okay, what is the lesson you're supposed to be learning mm. here? And a lot of the time is 
You're learning to love yourself because this person is not showing up for you. You're learning how to support yourself because this person doesn't support you or doesn't respect you, doesn't this. So it's it's this self-love that needs to be given first to yourself in order for you to find the higher self person that's for you. I love that. (laughs) I love that. uh, You know, but (laughs) my boyfriend that I was the most in love with was in college Mm -hmm. and we had the worst breakup known to man. I moved out to LA because I had to for some medical issues and we broke up obviously, thank God. And it just, the lesson I learned in that, but it was so painful. I thought my heart was physically going to explode. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. It was like having a blender in my body is that I will always choose myself over a relationship. Always. Always. And that's good. now I look at him and I'm like, LOL. What? You're like, ew. <laughs> what the fuck? LOL. <laughs> wow. So how can people book an appointment with you? Uh, I So right now you can book an appointment with me through my Instagram, mm. which is Wondrous Ninfa, W-O-N-D-R-O-U-S-N-I-N-F-A. And no, that's not nymph in Spanish. <laughs> I get that a lot. I was thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. They're like, um, like no, that that means like, like, um, it's like a little, you know, uh, woodland creature, oh, a little, it's nymph. little fairy. It's not nympho. Right. I get that a lot. They're like, uh, and I'm like, no, don't give me my card back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you can, uh, well, actually, it's a lot easier through the Instagram because I do have a link tree. And I also have a um, like a book now appointment button on there and it'll connect you like to my email or connect you straight to the actual scheduling. Perfect. Yeah. I Uh, really recommend people do it. I had a (laughs) session with you and I was like, okay, wow. It's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.